1: Good morning, my dear friends, to all our dear audience on KNUS 710 AM or via podcast. I welcome all of you. This morning, we shall interact first by waking up, praising God. If you're sad, allow God to put a joy, a smile on your face. If you're married, give a good and warm greeting to your wife or to your husband. Give a good warm morning hug or welcome to your children and to all those who live with you. And do me a favor. It's okay to turn on your radio at 9.30 a.m. on Sunday morning and contact friends so they can join in as well. Next, of course, let us warm up the day by being nice to each other and by being nice to the Lord. This is Father Andre, and good Holy Sunday morning with God. My favorite psalm, my friends, on this morning is Psalm 103. And in Psalm 103, we say, Bless the Lord, my soul, never forget all He has done for you. It's a praise for God's tender compassion. With this, I want us all to turn on to our Holy Bibles. And as I always say, please, do an act of contrition, make a sign of a cross before you pray, wash your hands. It is important you place your Bible and you treat it with utmost respect, being the living word of God. So let us pray with Psalm 103. Remember as we pray to think about the verse in the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 1, verse 78. The Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 1, verse 78. Um, when uh, Zechariah, Um, seeing the birth of the baby of John, his son, um, he shouted and exclaimed, in the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. Again, in the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. With this, let us pray Psalm 100. O God, come to my assistance. O Lord, make haste to help me. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Bless the Lord, my soul. Never forget all he has done for you. My soul, give thanks to the Lord. All my being bless his holy name. My soul, give thanks to the Lord, and never forget all his blessings. It is he who forgives all your guilt who heals every one of your ills, who redeems your life from the grave, who crowns you with love and compassion, who fills your life with good things, renewing your youth like an eagle's. The Lord does deeds of justice, gives judgment for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses and his deeds to Israel's sons. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Hallelujah. Good Holy Sunday morning, my dearly beloved friends. Um, It is such a pleasure and honor that we continue our conversation today um, together. And I want to thank you for your interest. I've been hearing a lot of great comments, and this means the world to me and to my team in the mission of hope and mercy. Especially uh, the theme we are speaking about, uh, being focused on the persecuted Christians. Um, We are finding out that many of us Americans really were looking forward to be educated about this topic. But today we have a wonderful guest with us from Vienna in Europe, uh, Ms. Madeline Enzelberger, and we're going to be speaking with her about Christianity on trial. And uh, Madeleine works in the Observatory of Discrimination and Intolerance Against Christians in Europe with focus on the West. Today, we will do an overview about uh, this observatory and we will see about stories in the West and we will see also about developing scary stories. In Lebanon, as a matter of fact, um, let me tell you that um, Madeleine currently functions as the executive director of the observatory on intolerance and discrimination against Christians in Europe. And before joining the observatory, Ms. Inselberger was active as an entrepreneur in Vienna. She obtained an MA in international administration and conflict management from the University of Konstanz in Germany and spent uh, an academic year at the University of Warwick in England. She specialized in international security. And uh, Madeleine Inselberger also conducted field research in Iraq, where she focused on international religious freedom policy and the persecution of Christians. Madeleine, uh, guten Morgen.
2: <laughs> Good morning, Father Andrei. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's really a pleasure to be here.
1: Well, what did you think about Psalm one or three when you think about the persecution and the field in which you work? Um, how does this Psalm um, um, you think fit in the work that you do? If I may, it's very,
2: ask a of course, yes, it's very interesting because before I went to bed last night, I was reading this Psalm, and um, so it was really nice that you ex- explained it a bit now. And I think it's really you know, um, even though when we live in hard times, it's so important to remember. there's always something that we can praise the lord for and ultimately um it's not our fight right because he's going to protect us um he's going to shield us and he has everything in his hands
1: madeline um it's one thing to speak about the persecution of christians and it's another thing to take it to a different level to state that christianity is on trial christianity is on trial. I think they're they're similar in terms of what the perception will be, what the actions will end up being, what the aggressions will end up being, the violent acts, the bullying, the discrimination, the blackmailing, the coercion, um, the tactics of intimidation that the church or the people of the church suffer from. They could be the same. But it's one thing to speak about persecution. It's another thing to speak about um, a church or Christianity, an entire religion, being on trial. Any thought can you elaborate?
2: Yes, of course. So I think it's very important that we contextualize um, the different things that are happening to Christians around the world. So um, we can see that what is happening in Europe or in the West at the moment is to some extent very different to what is happening in the Middle East or Africa or even Latin America. Um, so there is a differentiation, but what overall what we can see is that unfortunately at the moment there is no region in the world where Christians do not face any difficulties.
1: Does that does that make um that there is a systematic plan against the national security of our faith as Christians in Europe? Namely, do you see that because I, I think one of the differences between persecution and the uh, um, a church or Christianity being on trial, that sometimes the actions could be led by the government itself or by public yes. agencies. Right? Or f- it takes legal extent to it. It takes legal ramifications, not allowing churches to be built, for instance, um, not allowing churches to be renovated, for instance, uh, not allowing Christians to go to mass on Sunday because of uh, pandemic, let's say, or because of uh, warm weather, which is happening now in London, actually happening in places. Um, I mean, if there is an executive order from cities or from states that would um, not allow Christians to practice their faith because whatever element of emergency the government decides. What is yes. this about?
2: Again, there is, um, there's a lot of differentiation that we need to make, and there is authoritarian regimes where we can clearly see, um, and especially more in, in, in Muslim-majority um, countries, where we can see There is a lot of discrimination coming from the state side or also when it comes to um, India, right, where we have problems with uh, religious nationalism or when you look at China. So everything, every mindset that does not does not fit into the communist um, agenda uh, is an enemy, is uh, so not just Christians. Um, And then in the West, what you can see is that, yes, we do have like this erosion of our Christian um, Judeo heritage. And that it's not just an, a religious illiteracy from the government side towards um, Christianity, but that there is an actual bias against it. So there is um, very specific narratives that work in the background of this. And specifically in the West, a narrative is Christians are, ought to be the perpetrators and not the victims. So even though we have the numbers, even though uh, we have reports and studies that we already published where we can say, You know, there has been a huge uh, media bias or Christians start to self censor themselves um, to a high degree, especially at universities among the religious um, Christians currently face um, most hate crimes attacks against their places of worship. There's not enough protection from the state. We can also see, for example, in France or in Scotland that the regulations...
1: You said something very important, and i like to uh, pick up on that so our listeners can identify. This is Good Sunday Morning with Father Andre, and us. 7.10 a.m. Uh, was Madeleine Inselberger from Vienna speaking about acts of intolerance and discrimination, an observatory that watches for these acts against Christianity in Europe was focused on the West, and uh, we're going to speak a little bit uh, about the Middle East. Madeleine will be with us. On the show for many episodes. So I recommend that all of our friends will continue to call their friends and make sure um, you watch the show um, every Sunday morning on KNUS. Um, Madeline, you said the keyword, and I want to pick up on it. You said that even though we have the data, we have the facts that Christianity is being discriminated against. It's being uh, not tolerated, whether by government or by universities, by many platforms in society. Yet Europe still treats Christianity almost as a perpetrator rather than as victim. Please, can you elaborate on that? Make the people in America understand that.
2: Okay. So um, the biggest problem at the moment is maybe I have to outline a bit what the observatory is doing so you get a better picture on that first. So the first, so one of the things, there's two aspects that we focus on. The one is hate crime. So we do monitor hate crimes, um, which um, means that you have, so a hate crime is um, just um, any crime plus a bias that has to be attached to the crime um, against a specific group, and in this case against Christians. A lot of people ask us, why do you monitor that? Um, The reason we monitor that is because it is a very good indicator of a current social climate and the potential um, of a growing hostility against a specific group. This is also why we work together with the OSCE, which is the Organization for Security and Cooperation Europe, which the U.S. is also a member state of, because they annually publish a hate crime report for that given reason, Um, because it is very important um, to observe what is going on within society. um, If you want to, if you want to check the security, you know, um, of the country. So that is one field that we work in. And there we have, so for the last year, um, there were over a thousand hate crimes against Christians in Europe. Um, Although I have to Yes, a thousand. But that's only a thousand cases that were reported by civil society organizations. So there is also government statistics. So, for example, in France, uh, you have free hate crimes against Christians um, every day. So that's a very severe number,
1: right? And why is it important that civil society is the one who is reporting the acts of discriminations against the church? So you're telling me if a bishop or a pastor or a priest or a, a worshiper in any given tradition of Christianity, they self-report about incidents. Does it count the same or it has to come from a civil society group?
2: Yes. So um, the OSCE mainly works together with civil society organizations, but individuals can approach us. Or other organizations, although I do have to say we're the only one that works on a European level at the moment, so individuals can approach us and report a case. So on our website, um, intoleranceagainstchristians.eu, you'll find a button that says report a case. Um, and this is how the we mission, usually
1: handle I know I, I met you in Washington, DC, at the International Religious Freedom Summit. Is there a similar thing like the Mission of Hope and Mercy? honestly acts and operates as an observatory in the U.S. to um, Since 2014, we were telling the U.S. leaders, um, whether they're government officials or church officials or religious leaders or civil society or business society or even through the conservative media, we've been trying to talk about it. But do we have in America, besides these little voices like the Mission of Hope and Mercy, which is doing a great job, actually, we inserted religious freedom and the persecution against Christians to be on the platform of the United States uh, uh, public uh, public speeches, including uh, candidates who um, were running for offices. Um, do we have an organized observatory in the U.S. for discrimination um, and intolerance against Christians, or it's time that we do one?
2: So far, um, yes and no. There is no official observatory. There is um, some organizations who definitely do monitor those developments. I mean, there is, you know, um, ADF, so Alliance Defending Freedom, but they're more focusing on on the freedom, so the intolerance um, part. ADF,
1: uh, Alliance Defending Freedom.
2: Exactly. So they're all lawyers and legal experts, and those are the ones who also go to court with you if you um, have a problem as a Christian, a legal
1: problem. We also um, have um, a small society, if I'm not mistaken. It's another legal firm as well in yes. the U.S. Uh, but we don't have an observatory to defend the persecuted Christians or acts of intolerance against Christianity, per se. I think in America, no. in, in the context of religious freedom, we defend religious freedom. And unfortunately, it seems that when we defend religious freedom, um, the message of the persecuted, the church, um, gets a little bit uh, shone down. Like um, Yes. Why is that? We were in D.C. and we saw a little bit of, of uh, these events. What yes. is the challenge?
2: So as I mentioned it before, so this is actually coming back to what the observatory is doing. So this is the second part that we focus on and that focuses on the f- fundamental freedom of uh, freedoms of Christian. Um, so that means religious freedom, freedom of speech, freedom of conscience, parental rights. Parental rights is a huge issue um, at the moment because uh, school curriculums um, get changed um, constantly.
1: Can you um, repeat, please, for our listeners, Madeline? Parental rights. So you're talking that will cover the um, sex orientations, the gender and genderlessness, uh, yes. the education, um, yes. of sex, the rights of parents. This is an important for us in America to understand. Yeah. These are persecution against Christians, right?
2: Well, this is what we consider to be um, a case of intolerance or discrimination against Christians. Yes, because when you, when we talk about parental rights um, and this is a human right. Okay. So we're not, this is not a definition that we made up or anybody else. Um, so this is in the human rights charter. It says um, part of your um, parental rights is that you are allowed um, to raise your children in accordance with your belief. So I give you an example um, for there in Scotland, they changed the legislation and the legislation now says that children from the age of four on are now able to determine their gender. So they come to kindergarten and say, "Okay, I'm not a girl anymore. I'm a boy now." And the kindergarten teacher has to affirm the gender, and the parents are completely left out. So even if the parents would say, "No, we, you know, we don't agree with that," they don't have a say in that anymore.
1: Wow. So because today, and we have. Um... Probably we are over the half of our first episode, you and me, on uh, this beautiful radio station, KNUS, 7:10 a.m. Good Sunday morning with Father Andre, with uh, Madeleine Enzelberger from the Observatory of Discrimination and Intolerance Against Christianity in Europe, with focus on the West. Um, Madeline, as an overview, uh, Christianity on trial, Christianity being persecuted. Christianity on trial gives the context that Christianity is accused of something. Christianity that is being persecuted, it gives uh, the uh, perception it's a reality of actually being unjustly treated um, and being violently treated as a matter of fact. Is Christianity, is there there any truth, any foundation for Christianity to be on trial?
2: I would say partly yes, because what we can see now that there is some um, dynamics, there is an dynamic that that we call secular intolerance, right? And um, so this secular intolerance means uh, we're not talking about secularity, right? Secularity is something good. It divides the state um, from the church. So it protects both parties in this relationship. What we're talking about is a form of ideologically infused um, secularism. So the state is not neutral towards religion anymore, but there is a bias And um, what we see at the moment is that there is not just an anti-religious bias, but there's a specific anti-Christian bias. But that holds true on different levels of government. And as we're also talking about Europe, um, that is um, very much true, unfortunately, at the moment um, at the EU level. So we have numerous cases of um, whether it is um, members of the European Parliament or also European commissioners, um, who have for example stated that you know do you remember the the, the horrible massacre that happened in Nigeria right Absolutely. so you would you would yeah. definitely say well this is is this is a definite case of persecution against christians because it happened on pentecost it happened inside of church people were slaughtered i mean it was horrible right five more
1: please since i saw you two weeks ago in in, in the capital here in US. and by the way we have five more minutes i want to tell our okay. listeners no i just Madeline, i just need Madeline to is a perfect uh from vienna her language is deutsch her language is german she visited the united states probably for the first time in uh, one month ago and english is her second language so i want to congratulate you, <laughs> you have a thank beautiful- you Well, I can also
2: speak with a very thick German accent if you prefer that.
1: (laughs) Well, um, you know, the topic needs to be light because it's morning in in America, I know. But the topic is heavy at the same time. It's concerning. It's really concerning what I want to It is. If you were to wrap up in this this first episode uh, and to give assignments, to give specific assignment, one or more, for Mm. our listeners, Um, why do they have to care for the persecuted Christians and how is it affecting us here in our freedom, in our family, in our faith, even in our existence as a nation in America? What would that assignment be?
2: Okay. So first of all, I would say, don't be afraid. (laughs) That's very important. Um, Yes, those things are happening and they're horrible. Um, but it's not that the time is too late and it's not that we can't do anything. And also, I think a second thing that is very important is to always remember, um, you know, that we don't get into this, um, fighting position where we feel like we have to fight people now, right. Or w- where our heart is filled with anger or rage, which is also understandable at sometimes, but it's not going to bring us anywhere because we can't, can't defeat evil with evil. We know that very well. and. So what I would say why it is so important is because obviously we're one body, no matter from which denomination we are, the whole of Christianity is one body. And if one part of the body suffers, we all suffer. Um, And if we don't counter what is going on in the West at the moment, we will not be able to sustainably help our brothers and sisters in the rest of the world, because if we don't tackle the religious bias that is growing in the West, um, this will have real effects on our brothers and sisters and how we can help them. Because as we have already seen, um, when the government does not acknowledge that there is a problem um, for Christians, also because they're blind or anti-Christian in their own country, we can't help the others. So it's a common effort.
1: I agree with you I and mean, it's affecting world peace uh, as as well it affects even the middle east uh, you know the status quo of a peace and reconciliation uh, um, anti-Semitism um, and, uh, you know, the persecuted Christians. There is a developing story in Lebanon over which we would like to talk you and me um, so we develop a better understanding so we can cover it in our next episode. Um, you know, the Maronite Bishop of Jerusalem um, earlier, um, about, about, um, before this show was recorded, uh, was arrested, actually, uh, was held captive by the Lebanese military on the border as he was coming back from Jerusalem to Lebanon and uh, they held him for um, 11 hours they took his cell phone his private property uh, his belonging his luggage and the, one of the major accusations is that he transported medication into Lebanon to help families. Besides that, he had his own personal medication. And this was considered by the Lebanese military as an act of treason against Lebanon. Can you imagine what does this mean for the peace talks between Israel and the Arab world? Um, you have one minute to answer this because we want to conclude the show with you and uh, just open with the spectrum for the future that we cover these topics.
2: Yes. So... I mean, it's another example, I think, of um, politi- politi- politicization. Sorry. So this is another example of the politicization of um, religion, and that's very unfortunate. Uh, it's being abused, and it even goes to the highest level. So it seems like there's no um, limit to that. And I think, especially when it comes to religion, the West needs to wake up and realize that it is a very important social reality that we need to account for. So it needs to be part of our analysis.
1: And the church is a powerful good. And we will cast yes. out how the church, we will confirm in hearts and minds of people, we will heal every confusion by God's sake. We'll cast out every evil thought that uh, accuses Christianity otherwise. We repent at the same time from all of our own personal community sins or any evil that happened in history. But we are still in the image and likeness of God, a power of good for and for good in this world. And we are peacemakers, a good salt for this earth. We shall sometimes fight to make sure our salt does not lose its taste, and we are the light of the world. We cannot be hidden under a bushel basket. Um, Madeleine Enzelberger from the Observatory of Discrimination and Intolerance Against Christianity um, in Europe, thank you for the very first episode as an overview. And we pray with you that the Lord is compassion and love, slow to anger and rich in mercy. His wrath will come to an end. He will not be angry forever. He does not treat us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our faults. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Thanks for
0: joining us today for Good Sunday Morning with Father Andre. Father Andre and his team rely on your prayers and generosity to help feed over 5,000 families in Lebanon every month. Go to MissionOfHopeAndMercy.org to learn more. Your support helps buy supplies from local farms and factories, employ truckers to ship the food, all to let these families know they are not forgotten. Go to MissionOfHopeAndMercy.org and donate today and join us next week at 9 30 a.m. for Good Sunday Morning.